Hey, everybody, remember to like, share, subscribe, comment, and... Ring the bell. Yes. And, of course, remember, IamMutant.com, big, proud sponsor of the show. Go to Mutant, Dusty20, Big Ron20, get your 20% off, get your ISO surge, get your all-in pre-workout, and everybody should be on the gear. Thanks very much. Hey, everybody, welcome to It's Just Bodybuilding. I'm your host, Big Ron Partlow. Of course, Scott, the producer, Dusty Hanshaw. And today on the show, we've got the triple threat. (laughs) The guy who's done it all, which is one of the the reasons we really want to talk to you. Jason Lowe, thanks for being on the show, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, where you call where where are you located right now? Where are you sitting with your Olympia medal and your you know Dragon uh, Ball statues and yeah, whatever's going on there? This is my office at my house. I'm in uh like the Daytona Beach area of Florida. Oh, that's a rough life. Yeah. <laughs> when I yeah. think of Daytona Beach as a Canadian, when I think of Day- Daytona Beach, I think of like all the spring break movies and oh, just constant drunk girls in bikinis just it's running like everywhere. <laughs> it's like homeless people and drug dealers and when I moved, yeah when i moved here that's what i thought too i came i grew up going to vacation here because my aunt lives on the beach so every spring break we were here we were in everything we all had blast and then i moved here i'm like this is like a really small town full of all the people that came here for spring break in the 90s never left and now we're just home <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just fried, burned out people. Yeah, <laughs> wandering around. If you see my Instagram stories, like in the mornings, I walk the bridge that's outside the gym for my cardio a lot mm-hmm. of times. And every time we get to the other side of the bridge, there's just a group of homeless people camped out there, like all methed out and everything. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. it's a full Classic. LA experience. Um, yeah. Do you have a set of headphones? Um, I do. I've never used them. I think, yeah, if you plug in, because I know we're going to have a little bit of the sound overlap. I can hear it. You know what I mean? When we speak and then it cuts his mic. Yeah, if they there. work. If they work. If, if not, work. we can roll without them. Yeah, they're we're going to do them both. I've never used them on here, but we'll try. Oh, cool. They're, got, they, they've got a cord. That's perfect. Yeah, because then they won't die. No one charges their headphones, Scott. You know, when people try the earbuds, they always Well, a lot of times the cordless ones don't link up with the program properly. Yeah. How's that there. working for you? I can hear you. Can you oh, hear? Hell yeah. Yeah, and it's not cutting out when we talk. Yeah, All right. That's even yeah. better. Plus, it kind of looks like tech. It looks like you're like <laughs> such a gamer that you've got like these expensive yeah. headphones. We can go with that. I like that. <laughs> you know? And, the, and um, the funny thing is all the games I play are like the old school like Super Nintendo games and stuff. No kidding. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, really? the best. That's a, so first of all, I just want to start, you know, when you came up to me in Toronto and you reminded me that uh, – that you watch the show all the time. I'm like, Oh yeah, you do. You're always a flip flop cardio guy. You know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and I just, I said to you right there, I'm like, we, we got to have you on the show because like, you know, we, we got to first of all, show some, some love to the actual pros who, who watch the show, which we still have a hard time with. Sometimes we're like, we got pros watching this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we don't talk about bodybuilding. That's why, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I always have a laugh with like a real pro who's like, you know, actively competing, you know, like, and, and then your story is just really fascinating. You know what I mean? Like yeah. coming, you know, classic through, through two twelve into the open. Like that's uh, you know, to me, that's like, that's like really hardcore, you know, yeah. to like, oh, yeah. I mean, 
grow outgrow divisions and stuff. So well, why don't we just start there? Just tell us like what you know, how how do you feel about how things have, have gone so far? I mean, I'm I'm loving it because honestly, in classic physique, I was at the weight limit the first year. Like I turned pro and then I did like a month later I did my pro debut and I was pretty much at my limit. And then they gave us another they that was before they increased the weight limits. Then they gave us another 10 pounds. And within the next year, I was having to fast for 24 hours, take diuretics in the sauna. Cool. Like, I, I'm like curled up in a ball in a Cito's hotel room at the Arnold Classic. Like, other people are coming in to check in. He's giving them donuts. You're flat. And I'm over there. I haven't eaten in 20 hours. Like, having, <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like, you can have a sip of water this hour. <laughs> I'm like, dying. But I was already qualified for the Olympia that year. So I was like, all right, I'll do the Olympia, but that's it for classic. I can't do this again. So what year was that? 2019. 2019, you did the Olympia as a classic guy. Yeah. I had to weigh in at 192. Yeah. And I think think three days, two or three days out, I was like 206, did a photo shoot, peeled. I was like, it was, it sucked. So uh, I decided to go up to 212 the next year and I wasn't actually anywhere close to the weight limit. I tried to play the size game at my debut in 212 and I just was not peeled. Like it was the Tampa pro. I think I placed 11th uh, maybe. And five weeks later was the New York pro. It was the COVID year where they moved it to Tampa and I was, I was like, all right, Chris, I don't care about size. I need to redeem myself from Tampa. Let's get hmm. peeled as can be. And so we came in like almost 10 pounds lighter, and I got second place at the New York Pro. That's cool. Nice. So, like, and I, I actually weighed the same at that show that I did at the Olympia and Classic Physique, <laughs> except I, did, I, did, I didn't have to suck down and then cart back up. Hmm. Right, I right. just I, I could eat into the show, so I was 200 pounds on stage at both of those shows. Huh. But for classic, I had to suck down to 192 and then try and fill back out, and mm-hmm. it just wasn't the same look. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not, you're never gonna get it right away. It's it's gonna hit like a day or two later. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. being able to eat into the show for 212, it was a way better look. And then uh, we qualified for the Olympia again that year, 2020 for the 212. Uh, class and I ended up in eleventh, right behind Guy Cisternino for that. And then nice. uh, I did one more year in two twelve, and then decided to grow out into the uh, open. So you looked great in Toronto. What did you weigh? I was only two eighteen. Right. So That's, you I mean, I, I still have put, Yeah, I was still still have plenty of room to grow, for sure. But uh, after Toronto, my metabolism went nuts, and I couldn't even eat. I couldn't eat enough to hold my weight on. Huh. I just I, I was eating my base day, like so. I'm with AJ Sims now, and my base days. He has base days, high days, death days is what he calls them. But uh, my base days were like four thousand calories. My high days were eight thousand calories, and I was getting a high day like every other day. Wow. Right. Leading into Orlando. After That's the Toronto. best. That's the best. I was just, and I would drop weight every time I did 8,000 calories. I was just burning through everything. Like he was taking fat burners out. 
Yeah. We were barely doing any cardio. It was like, all right, just walk the dog for cardio today. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't hold, I ended up at about 215 in Orlando. Were you, were you leaner there? Were you like harder looking yeah. there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was definitely, you, definitely better condition. And did you feel better at that show considering that you had the opportunity, you, you're off the fat burners, you're doing very little cardio, food's higher. Do you feel like your stress level was lower as a result of all that? Partially, yes, but partially like Toronto, I had zero expectations coming in as uh, an open class. And right. then I ended up in sixth place. And then people were like putting me in their predictions for like the top three, <laughs> top four and stuff for Orlando. And I was like, oh, man. But uh, I mean, it was exciting. But yeah. uh, I think that kind of got to me a little bit. But then sure, I had something I haven't talked about at all, actually, was um, I mentioned it shortly on my YouTube channel. But about a week out from Orlando, <clears throat> I, I never touched insulin before or anything like that. And my body was just burning through everything so fast that I started going hypo in the middle of the day. And there was two days in a row where, um, one was on a rest day. So I didn't miss my workout, but I fell asleep at like five, like eight o'clock. I missed my last two meals, woke up at four in the morning. And the next day I got up to make my pre-workout meal. I went to the bathroom first. Next thing I know, my training partner is waking me up at 10 p.m. He like got, came into my house because my wife's calling him, freaking out. She was out of town, and I just I went back there to I took to the bathroom before making my pre workout meal. Sat on the bed. Next thing I know, he's waking me up at 10 p.m. Wow! Missed three meals, missed my workout, and so we started checking my blood glucose levels every meal, every hour after every meal after that, making yeah. sure everything was stable. We actually did bring a little bit of insulin in just to try and control everything. And, but I had never touched insulin before that. And I had never had any issues like that. And it just, I was burning through everything so fast that I was just, I started going hypo and like, it was scary, honestly. Once you started testing your, your blood sugar, what was the lowest reading that you saw? It never got crazy low after that. I think like an hour after a pretty high carb meal though, it was like, I mean, in the mid seventies, <laughs> right back, ready for like, ready for more like, at that an, point. Yeah, an hour after like two hundred carbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that is? Like, what do you think? What do you think is like? Obviously, you're burning through it, but what do you think is going on? Just hyper revved metabolic rate. Like, That's the only thing I could think of. I don't know. That's why, like, he wanted me to start checking it every every meal, just because I was like, we wanted to figure out what was going on. But, yeah. you know, we ended up, you know, everything kind of leveled out after a few days and my blood sugars were sticking around like the, the hundred area, you know, an hour at two hours after the meals. And uh, then when we carved up I and mean, we carved up hard, I've never eaten this much food in my <laughs> life, like leading into a show. It was insane. Like how many grams? So, I don't know exactly, like but over I know a thousand. Every... Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Oof. Yeah, for multiple days in a row. We started carving up on Wednesday, okay, or Tuesday, Tuesday, I think. And I think the first couple days we probably had five, six hundred grams of carbs. Uh, then we did a thousand gram carb day, and then probably another like 
six or 700 grams of carbs a day. And then the day before the show, it was like another thousand. Dang. And you could still like, like pull everything in. It didn't affect. Oh you. yeah. Yeah. That's it was wild. crazy. I've never eaten like, and I'm, I'm talking majority of it's cream of rice, rice, rice cakes, but mm-hmm. then it'd be like, all right, this meal, you're going to have two like giant muffins and two apple fritters and like, go get a quick pump. You yeah. know? Yeah. <clears throat> Apple fritter. Nice yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah, Let's yeah. talk about yeah. that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People were calling right me the muffin man on, on Instagram and stuff. Every, on my YouTube channel, everything. Everyone's like calling me the muffin man because I was getting like, I was eating like three giant, like, I don't know if you have Wawa where you're at, but it's a gas station, but the muffins are like. Oh, the gas station cal- muffins. They're like no 700 more. calories each. Yeah. Oh. And I was getting like three was like of a gram of sodium in each one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. it's like 40 fat, 80 carbs in each muffin. <laughs> I remember one time, uh, uh, it was, I believe it was 2010. It was at the North Americans and we'd pulled, we'd pulled water. You know, I got off the plane and Aceto pulled water on me pretty hard. And then next morning he came and looked at me and he goes, you're a bit flat. I'll be back in an hour. And he came back an hour later with a bag of donuts. And he's like, I want you to eat one every 20 minutes. I'll be back in an hour. So I ate three of these giant (laughs) apple fritters. He gave me these giant apple fritter things, cinnamon roll type of things. I put three of those down and he came back like an hour and 20 minutes later. And he's like, (laughs) you know, I love it. Funny. It's funny. You mentioned pulling water. That was another thing that was completely different. Like I'm used to Aceto's protocol and he would pull water really hard. Really? But with AJ, this is my first year ever working with AJ, and we used like a quarter of a diazide the whole time, mm-hmm. and it was like, uh, but we drank so much vodka. Oh my <laughs> god! I, I, like I haven't drank it since my wedding, five, almost six years ago. Oh god! And and he's like, I want you to make sure you have some vodka and some red wine just in case we need it. Well, a. I think we went through a pint of vodka the day before the show. It was like, have, like I've been in the bag. Ounce, yeah, it was On like three ounces, of, three ounces of vodka and two ounces of coffee with your is your fluids with this meal, and then oh, four ounces of vodka before. Yeah, and I'm yeah, and I'm like, my wife's like recording me waiting for you to start dancing in the hotel room or something. Right. <laughs> That's a lot. It was, I, uh, it was wild. I've seen the the resurgence of of alcohol in yeah. the 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 pre-show protocol. Like, you know, yeah. I remember back like, you know, a long time ago when people would have some red wine backstage or a little bit of that. I used to see that back in the 90s. And then it, you know, completely vanished. And I I even yeah. remember one year where I was at a show and like they had a rule, no alcohol backstage because huh. what had started happening was the bikini girls had come the bikini <laughs> division drinking. had arrived and bikini competitors were drinking backstage and it was becoming a party and it had happened several years in a row. And of course, you know, stuff happens, people fall down, you know, like, 
and they Get actually made a rule. Oh, sorry. No drinking backstage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was funny. And and now, like, you know, I, I know several guys that have that have been using vodka. You know, there's he, several guys. Ian, that was, have Ian was taking vodka shots backstage yeah. in uh, Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's very, very like we're back to Arnold stuff. Mix. We got the old school Arnold shit now really fusing with, yeah. with the new like microgram carb up spreadsheet stuff. Yeah. It's, I'll uh, tell you, it's though, I probably felt the best I'd ever felt going out there. It was like my, you take all those diuretics and pull water so hard, your joints hurt. Like walking up those steps in Toronto would have been brutal. Just like walking up and down to like where the show was. Just a bit drunk. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) Even when you You fell down, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. 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 Easy. (laughs) You know? That's how, how would you say, cause you've done the Olympia in classic and two twelve. So I wanted to ask you, what are the differences in the experience of doing the Olympia in two different divisions? Like, how did you know the experience of doing classic? You know, experience of doing two twelve. What was there anything that stood out? Um, I mean, I feel like it would. To me, at least, it felt a little more serious in two twelve. And I, that could have just been my personal experience, but I was just having fun in classic and I was excited to be there. And, you know, I felt like there was so many guys. I think that was the issue I, in classic. I think there's so many competitors that like, I was just kind of having fun back there. Cause I was like, man, they're honestly, I was like, they're not even going to notice me when I walk out there. There's, there's like 48 guys in my class, you know? Right. And then, and then two twelve, I was like, yeah, <laughs> but like two twelve, I was like, you know what? I think I have a chance of being in the top 10 here. And I ended up one spot away, but right. you know, and me and guy have talked about that. <laughs> we were like, we we're like, both of us should have been higher. That was bullshit. You know, it's like, but, but, uh, uh, yeah, I felt like 212 was really like more like competitive like experience for me. Hmm. Right. Right. Classic. Step- it was my first Olympia. I was just happy to be there and just having a good time, you know. Well, the 48 guys in the class is also a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Impactful experience your first time yeah. out, I can see. How I old were you first- that, that first year? How old were you at the Classic Olympia? Oh, I'm so I'm all, I'm older than most people think. So, um, what was that? 20, 2019. How old am I now? Oh, but I'll say it. Uh, I don't know. 32. I'm 36 oh, okay. right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're not old enough to forget how old you are, though. You yeah, know, yeah, I gotta yeah. Say, you, you got, work you got 10 years. You got 10 years. I've been drinking a lot this year. So <laughs> yeah. the alcohol is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I got that out of my system between 18 and 24. And so yeah. those, those years, I forget those years happened. Yeah. So, so, so I have to ask because this is a, a topic that I cannot let you escape without covering. What, was, what were the changes? that you had to make to move up classes. And I understand genetics and everything else, but this is a, a something we cover a ton on these podcasts. And I like people to know the truth. Uh, cause, cause I know the answer is you take five grams of tests now and all those things. So 
Yeah, but so, if you could really break that down, because I think that that's an issue that we bang our head against the wall, and I'd like to have somebody yeah. with an example that's just moved up. So, Honest truth is I turned pro. I had never touched any anabolics. I'm not going to say I was natural because that will get all kinds of crap. But, like, I had, th- I had done, like, some SARMs and, like, some CLIN to mm-hmm. get my pro to get my pro card and the whole time i was in classic physique like i went and got my blood work done for the first time ever after doing my first two pro shows and coming off like kind of being done with that season mm-hmm. and from dieting for a year and a half straight and everything and show after show after show my test levels were like 227 hmm. so the, do- the doctor prescribed me 200 milligrams a week of tests and the whole time I was in classic, we never used more than that. Mm-hmm. It was 200 milligrams of test a week. And then, you know, Aceto threw in like maybe 150 master on 150 trend. And then some like Winstraw at the end or something. Right. Um, and when we moved up to no, like a bikini stack. <laughs> that's yeah, what people, they use. More, they use yeah. more trend actually, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what people were saying pretty much. When we moved up to 212, the only thing that went up was the test went to 400. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else stayed pretty low, stayed the, pretty much the same. And so, uh, no, go ahead. No, just a perfect example of, of what some people don't understand. Like there's there's levels to there's 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 levels of talent. Yeah. In this yeah. game, you know, uh, and, Jose Jose used to make fun of me all the time for the baby baby amounts I was taking. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you're like competitive organ age is like 12. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I, well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't Your liver still has almost, new car smell. Yeah. <laughs> I, was almost 30, I was almost 31 when I, when I first started doing anything. So, um, but yeah, and then moving up to open, this was a little bit different, you mm-hmm. know. Um, also with a new coach, you know, Aceto is pretty mild with everything oh, yeah. he does. Very. Like, so I knew switching to AJ was going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was definitely still never got close to a gram of test, <laughs> but, right. um, but we did get up to like 750 and, right. uh, you know, everything else was a little higher, but nothing crazy. And what about the, the training first... side and the eating side to put on that amount of size? Yeah, did your training mentality change when you went from 212 to open or you just, just keep doing no, what that, you're doing? That was the most annoying part about staying in classic is because I had to hold myself back. I bet. Because I, I, I needed areas to improve, but I couldn't put on any muscle huh. to make weight. So right. I that's my favorite thing. I mean, that, I'm sure like you know, a lot of y'all are the same – got into this because I love to train hard, not because I right. love to diet. I don't love to diet. <laughs> like, But I love training hard. I love going in there and pushing myself a little bit harder each time, making seeing if I can, you know, beat my best each time I go in there, you know, whether it's in reps, whether it's intensity, whether it's in weight, whatever. I just like to push myself past my limits. And uh, so the training was always intense and hard and everything, but – the food, my appetite's always been crazy. So I've never really had trouble getting the food in. So like even in classic, I think my weight limit was 192. My heaviest off season weight was like 250. Right. Like 
I just, but I'm not saying it was a pretty 250, but no, <laughs> but but uh, I think the heaviest I got this past off season, I decided I was going to keep it cleaner and stay a little bit tighter, so I didn't have to lose 50 pounds. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I was maybe I high 250s, 260 this past off season before we started dieting, and right. uh, and we were in pretty good shape around 230. But we knew we needed to bring it like really dialed in because I wasn't going to be the big guy on stage. Mm-hmm. Damn. So but, what? 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 When you look at the lineup, you know, like when you looked at the Toronto Pro lineup, where did you finish again in in TO? You were like seventh or something, weren't you? Six. Six. Yeah, you did really good. Like they pulled you was, right up there with the front group, and yeah. You know, it's that the only thing that aggravated me about both shows. Is they pulled six people out in first call outs in Orlando and Toronto, and I wasn't part of it. But then I placed sixth at both shows, and I'm like, mm. I should have been in the first. Should have been in the first call outs because they <laughs> yeah. always, they always, they always post that picture of first call outs, and I'm yeah. never in it. But then I, then I beat one of the guys that's there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you, so, and you didn't get to stand next to the fifth place guy, which you might have took taken him out too, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that used to. At, we did get to actually battle that out because uh, Joe Seaman got fifth, and we were right oh, yeah. next to each other in one of the callouts. And he, he's just got so much size; it's, and yeah. he was in shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge and ripped does count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have had a little nicer shape, but he had so much muscle, and he was peeled. Yeah, <laughs> where, where do you where do you see your physique? You know, in in a year's time, with all the work you're putting in. You know, when you look at that lineup, I you know you're analyzing the pitchers. Obviously, you got something I, they like. I, well, that was the nice thing. I talked to uh, Tyler Mannion after the show, and I just just to get his opinion on whether I made the right decision to move from two twelve to open. And he's like, "Look, you're an open bodybuilder. You fit in. You got top six. He's like, obviously you, you know, you fit in up, up there. He's like, you just need a little more size overall to compete with these big guys. And mm-hmm. you know, I hundred percent agree. I knew. I wasn't gonna be the biggest guy up there, but I wanted to see where I was, and I feel like if I can, if I was two eighteen there, I feel like if I can come in around two thirty, I could win a pro show. Right. So that number's kind of in your head for like reasonable, you know, yeah. pro like, show. I don't need goal. I don't think with my height and my uh, structure and the lines that I bring, I don't need to be a two fifty. 245, 250 pound guy. But I definitely need a little more size still. Well, yeah, 12 pounds on you is a ton. I mean, that would be very, very noticeable, especially sliced. You know, I, I love when, when people point that out because, again, with, with guys coming up, and I know I was guilty of this all the time, your assumption every time you see a guy on stage is that, is that mom's home, <laughs> is that uh, he got drastically heavier. But if he's just a little heavier and, and harder, he just looks way bigger. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, and uh, I think I can make pretty good progress this year. For one, uh, you know, actually working with it. I've never worked with a coach in the offseason. I don't know mm-hmm. if how Chris Aceto was with it, either of y'all, but with me, it was like I'd send him pictures once a month. He's like, you're not fat yet. Keep eating. <laughs> so that was pretty much our off season together. But uh, right. AJ, AJ is very attentive to all the details and everything like that. Di- digestion, gut health and all that. So I'm excited to see how this goes. And then 
also for the first time ever implementing a little bit of growth hormone. We've never done that. I've never done that. And then um, if I look back at the previous show I did uh, to Toronto, I was 205 and then I was 218 in Toronto. So jump. Yeah. Man, if we can, if we can make another jump like that, that'd be, that'd be crazy. incredible. Even half of that would be great. When where where's your where's your main like love for bodybuilding come? Like I wanna I wanna know why you wanna you know, why do you wanna do this? You know, I've I've you know, my origin story is like a long time ago, but you know, I know I know you're you got the Dragon Ball name on Instagram. I don't know if you're like we're a superhero kid or what. That's know? literally exactly where my mind went as soon as you, you asked that question. I was basically just watching like Dragon Ball Z growing up and stuff like that and the anime and just always the the main protagonist, the main character, whatever, just always pushing themselves to reach that next level, to be a little bit better, a little stronger, a little more powerful, a little bigger, whatever. And it's just kind of the same mentality, like, or video games too. Like, I basically think of myself as like the character in a, a role playing game where I'm I'm getting the gym, I'm battling, I'm gaining experience, I'm leveling up, and then I get to the show and I fight the boss. <laughs> well, and then if I if I lose, I go back. I train. I level up again. I try and fight the boss again at the next show. Get more yeah. armor points. More, more yeah. magic points. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Dusty Dusty always says he sees life as a scoreboard, and 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 you know with everything he does, and and I totally get your video game reference to like you know, slowly building up all your reserves and like, oh, I got to work on my financial points a little bit so that I can get my yeah. armor up a little bit. You know, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. also talk, just, you know, we talk a lot about how bodybuilding, like you got to be able to afford to do this, you know? And, oh, yeah. and, um, and I think that's something that all like hardcore guys have is there's some sort of like, like re requirement for leveling up hmm. and mm -hmm. some sort of like symbolic representation of leveling up constantly. You know, what, I mean, what, what do you think about that? I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, everyone has their own, I guess, thought process on it. And like, they're like, whatever they put towards that. But for me, yeah, that's how it is. It's like, I just think about it like the video games or something like that, where I'm experience leveling up, fight the boss and, you know, you're right with the financial thing too. Like, <laughs> That's that's the hardest part right there, man. That's not the fun part. That's geez. the training in the gym and getting that experience and leveling up. That's the fun, the fun part. But you got to have the financial stuff to be able to do all that. What kind of training do you do? Like what, what, if you were to describe your style, I know you said it sounds like you are progressive because you said try to get in the gym and do a little bit more than you did before. What would you attribute uh, your gains to training wise? So I, I would mix them. So I'll always have at least one exercise where it's a progressive overload. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, but then I might go high volume. So hack squat, that's going to be a progressive overload. I want to get a little stronger or a little more reps or even just a slower tempo, whatever it is, a little better at it each week. Yeah. So, so then I'll go to log, log book mindset with that exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't write it down, but you know, but yeah, that kind of mentality. And then, after that, I might go to leg press and do sets of 20, 25 or okay. with, a three set, with a three second negative or something, you know, a little mm -hmm. higher volume, uh, 
time under tension type stuff. And then usually end with a rest pause set or a drop set or something like that. And then, you know, move on to a more, uh, you know, I don't know, a split Bulgarian split squat or something like that, you know, and then some isolation exercises to finish it off. Okay. But yeah, it's, there's always like chest is today. I'm going to go in there. I'll probably get a little warm up on the pec deck just to get the things moving. And then my progressive overload will be dumbbell, flat dumbbell press where I'm going to try and get stronger, better at, and then I'll move on to an incline press machine Yep. and I'll end up, I'll end up doing a, a drop set on that probably. And then some cable flies, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. It's just, there's always one thing I'm trying to get better at. And then everything else is probably more isolation or volume. I like that kind of training. That's, that's made a lot of sense to me personally, especially in the, the past couple of years. So when, when you do that progressive exercise, I always say like, that's my, my heavy meat and potato potatoes exercise, be like incline yeah. dumbbell press for me, or like a dumbbell row, a barbell row. And when I'm training back, those are going to be like my heavy movements. How many mm-hmm. sets do you do for that exercise? Typically one top set, one drop, one back off set. Right on. You know, right on. I'll fit. Bit, depending on the exercise, I want my top set to be hit failure somewhere between seven and 10. Okay. And then my back off set might be 12 to 15. Okay. Hit yeah. failure, failure somewhere in there. And then you could probably start moving a little faster through the rest of the workout. You don't have to ha- take as much time. How do, how do you know when you need a break? That's a question we get all the time. Like, hey, I, well, how do I know I need a, a deload or a rest week or or whatever. I never know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, I can tell my clients when they need to. But, uh, but for, That's also another myself, thing with the real hardcore guys is yeah. like, break, break. What's that? I'll, yeah. I'll tell myself, all right, I'm going to go in there today and everything's going to be, I'm still going to go towards failure, but it's going to be like 15 to 20 reps on everything. Yeah. And then I'll get like halfway into the, like main, the meat and potatoes exercise. And I'm like, well, that felt pretty good. I could put another plate on there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, that felt pretty good. I could put another <laughs> plate. So, and then I end up, there's no deload. Yeah. It sounds yeah. familiar. I think to all of us judging by your guys' looks on their faces. Repeatedly, too. I've, repeatedly I've heard Dusty happy. say before that to take a deload, you pretty much just got to take a week off because otherwise you go in there and you're going to push. Yeah. You're on, you're on mute still, Dusty. The, the the best quote for that was uh, Evan when he was working with Chris. Chris said, "Hey, I need you to go in today and, and train at like seventy percent or whatever." And Evan was like, "I don't know what that means." And, and he he was being literal. And Chris goes, "Good point. Okay, I want you to use seventy percent of the working sets." And he goes, "Okay, I can do that." So he still went a hundred percent. He just had to do less yeah. of it. It was the only yeah, yeah. way when that's how your brain functions to do it. Yeah. So yeah, anytime I did the deloads, I'm like, I just won't go to the gym this week. Cool. Yeah. Because if not, like you said, you get in there and you're being smart, but you're like, I feel pretty good today. Next thing you know, it's like, you know, it's a PR, like you're a power lifter. You're like, oh, <laughs> nicely done. Well, <laughs> Don't was, tell my clients about this. Yeah. <laughs> my first week after Orlando, I was like, all right, I'm not going to do deadlifts for a couple of weeks just because I love doing deadlifts. I'm not like the best at it or whatever, but it's just a fun exercise. You could push yourself on. And I know it's not the best thing for bodybuilding. RDLs would probably be better for my hamstrings and glutes, but it's just fun. So I was going to take a couple of weeks off from doing them before I got back into it. And then my training partner, 
I go in for hamstrings on Friday, the week after the show. He's never wanted to do deadlifts before. Ever. He hates them. And he's like, we're doing deadlifts today? I was like, you hate deadlifts. We never do deadlifts. <laughs> and I was like, usually when I do deadlifts, you go do RDLs. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I think I need them for the, that posterior chain thickness. I need, I'm going to start adding them back in. I'm like, yes, we're doing deadlifts. Yeah, I, ended up, the day. I didn't go crazy, but I, I still ended up at like five plates for a set of 12. You know, I'm like, right. I shouldn't have done that. The week, the week after the show. Good. What's something yeah. you've had to work hard to, to bring up uh, body part wise? Like you mentioned, there was a few things. Quads. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was the hardest thing. My, my upper body, like my chest, shoulders, my arms. Like I didn't train arms or shoulders for two years just because they just kept growing and everything else needed to catch up. But legs i have to absolutely destroy and then feed like crazy because it took forever like my hamstrings were really dominant and so now i put so much emphasis on my quads i feel like my quads are more dominant than my hamstrings and now i gotta i gotta start even thing evening things out again like from the side my hamstrings drop really well from the back they look kind of thin so so start evening that up bringing up a body part you know like this, this training stuff with you is really great because you've made these large changes and added this like pure mass to your body, you know? So it's very relevant. So when it comes to, you know, getting your quads bigger, cause you did drastically, um, was it just a mentality of training harder or were you also like really being analytical about like technique and foot position? Did you take that to the next level? Was there more strategy and like, you know, I, 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 I usually leg press with a few different positions, but I'm going to really focus with my feet here for leg presses. Like, you know, what sort of stuff were you doing on top of that? So moving from classic to 212, I knew I need to bring my legs up. And I, that's where I kind of implemented more of the progressive overload with the hack squats. And then, you know. We're back to hack squats, Dusty. <laughs> back. Hack squats and deadlifts. You think I love Heavy this? Yes. Oh, we were good. I thought there was some magic answer. You know, waiting for some. Right, starts right back to progressive overload on the hack squat. Here we go. But then um, it was interesting. Right after my last show last year is when I started, like, I've known AJ for a long time, but he was living in Orlando at the time. So it was only an hour drive. And we would actually, he'd hit me up. He'd be like, hey, it's leg day on Thursday. You coming over? And I'm like, he had a whole gym set up in his garage called The Dump. And we'd go over there, Florida, in the summer, in his garage. And he'd have one fan, and he would point it facing out of the garage to blow the hot air out, but not blowing on you. I I hadn't puked in a long time. He had me puking. Like, I was rolling on his driveway just like, <laughs> done. <laughs> Oh yeah, but the tenet techniques that he actually implemented, like he's trained with Jake Jay Cutler when he was younger. He's worked with Cito. He's worked with worked with a lot of people. He's learned from a ton of different people. So some of the techniques that he implemented, like, were really effective. Like reverse banding a Smith machine squat, uh -huh. um, so you can press like really overload the top half of the portion. Um, doing. Uh, rest pause set on the leg press and then right when you're finished when you kept nothing left putting your feet 
flat together at as low as you can possibly go mm-hmm. and not unracking it and just hitting those top like two inches. And I'm yeah. like, if I walked in and saw someone doing this, I think they were an idiot. Like they don't know how to train. Yeah. But then I, but then I did it and I couldn't walk afterwards. So I was like, <laughs> like it was the so most painful, like essentially, essentially really targeted partial reps to finish yeah. the set and you leave yeah. the stoppers up just so you're fucking oh, yeah. a safety yeah. hazard to everyone around you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. And then like, then you go to a hack squat after that or a belt squat. And then he would have me on after I can't walk and I'm rolling on the driveway ready to puke. He's like, all right, come on. We're finishing with uh leg extensions where he's like, you know, doing the, Tom Platt's type stuff where he's pushing, fight me, fight me, fight yeah. me, push down, pushing down on it, and then partials, and then all right at the bottom. Now I'm going to help you up, and like right. just beyond failure. So yeah, that was, and then my, I brought my training partner over there with me a couple times, and we started doing that to each other because I wanted him to learn as well, so right. we could train like that together. Yeah, and that's here cool. we are, we're, we're back to just hard ass. Brutal. Think of <laughs> think of really hard shit and do yeah. it over and over. It was, it was funny one time when I went over there to train with him and he's got me on his TV in the garage training with Tom Platts. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like that. Because <laughs> I, I went out to LA one time and trained with Tom Platts. He did it. We did two exercises. And I no kidding. Walk. No we kidding. We did squats, squats and leg extensions. And that was yep. it. How long did it take you to, yeah, how long did it take you to like get up to that, that heavy squat or your, your actual working sets? We started pretty light because I was only like a week or two post Arnold Classic. So I was pretty weak at the time anyways, but, uh, he corrected my form a lot too. And then he's Uh like, you gotta get some, you gotta get some squat shoes. And then he put some five pound plates under my heels and stuff like that, just to make sure everything was in line. And then Man, all the videos that you see of him are no exaggeration. Oh, I'm sure you guys know, but like, no exaggeration. I'm, you know, all right, give me five reps. All right, rack it. Give me five reps, rack it, adding some weight. Yeah. I think we got it to three, 365 maybe, you know, which mm-hmm. two weeks after the Arnold, I was, I was happy with 365. But uh, it was like, all right, I only want you to count to five. That's it. Just count to five. That's all you have to do. I was like, okay, one, two, three, four, five, five more. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, five more. Well, I don't remember. I think I got to maybe 18 or 19 reps and just couldn't move, like racked it. I think we dropped down to like 275 and then we had to did, did that again. Right. Five more, five more, five. And I, I didn't know how many reps I was doing. I was doing what he told me to do. I just counted to five. So I had no idea where I was at. And then we went to the leg extensions after that, and it was like same thing. It's just he's in my face, screaming five more, like, and then pushing down on the thing, screaming at me, "Fight me, fight me!" You know, just like it was brutal. That's wild. Awesome experience, though. The full the full YouTube Tom Platt's experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was awesome. That, though. I mean, great experience. I've, I've, I've known a bunch of people that have trained with him. It's all the same story. Just destroyed them on a squat and then destroyed yeah. them on an extension. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I, I'm, I, I just keep thinking of, uh, 
But all this stuff that we hear now, all the questions that we're getting about, you know, training too hard, you know, the reps and reserve jokes that we make, you know, this sort of stuff. <laughs> and and it comes back to like, you know, pushing down on the leg extension, you know, fight me, you know, stop yeah. it, stop the bar, stop the bar, you know, like that sort of shit. We just did that the other day. I'm like all happy about this. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, I, this is the stuff that I want our listeners to hear, you know, a guy who's actually done the, the division leaving, you know, uh, telling, well, particularly telling when you, when you had a weak point that you needed to bring up, yeah, because I think that is where your quads the, are big, the internet, the internet world is now like, okay, now make sure your, your right pinky toe is twisted at this degree <laughs> and move through three inches of range of motion and leave five reps in reserve. And you're like, yeah, what we did was tried to, kill me mm-hmm. yeah well, i tried I, to well, kill I, him and then he tried to kill me yeah when i have a client that has a week like say their quads are weak or whatever and they're asking well do my feet need to be close together do they need to be wide apart do do i need to turn them i was like where are you the strongest yep that's where they yep. need to be because you can lift mm-hmm. the most amount of weight and you're going to get the most out of it yeah so that was that was dorian <laughs> that was how dorian described it find a powerful yeah. position where you're strong and and solid and drive from there. That's all he ever said. Once you have the size, then we can worry about tweaking little things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. You got to put three inches on your quads first and we'll see how they look. Yeah. yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. you know, man, what about, what about the advice to people? Um, you know, we, I just had a conversation about this at breakfast about the, the mentality of, being a pro and getting a pro card versus having a pro physique. Man, that's a good one. Because everybody just, oh, so many clients I get recently, that's all they say is, because I have a questionnaire I send out to them. And one of the questions is, what are your you know fitness goals? Because some of them are just lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the competitors be like, I want to be an IFBB professional and step on the Olympia stage. And I'm like, all right, I mean, you might get there, but how about we work on, you know, building your physique first and like there's so many of them that they haven't even trained for six months and they think they're going to be a professional bodybuilder. I'm like, you don't even know what your body can do yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think training for the for the look first and to build the physique before you even think about trying to turn pro, you know. What do you what do you think are the main mental requirements that's that that a competitor needs to be honest with themselves about to actually be a good bodybuilder? Oh man. I don't know. Uh I guess the first thing that came to my mind was just how willing you are to do what it takes. You know, mm-hmm. like not making excuses. There's so many people that, well, I couldn't do my cardio today because of this. And I'm like, you could have found a time to walk on the treadmill for a few minutes or something. I couldn't get my steps in because of this. I, I couldn't, I missed this meal because of this. I'm like, if you really want this, you'll find a way to get it done. Yeah. And that thing, right. that's the biggest thing is just making sure you're going to find a way to get every, check every box. Yeah. I think bodybuilding is for people who are uh, 
I think bodybuilding is best done by the people who are able to self-motivate themselves to attack the task and find a way and, uh, you know, see everything as part of the, the, the full job. Like my job of creating this physique requires that I don't miss any of this other stuff. Hmm. Yes. You know, and realize dedication over motivation. Like you're not going to feel motivated every day. So some days you, it takes everything I have to go to the gym. I don't want to go, but once I'm there, I'm glad I'm there. I get an amazing workout. Half the time I didn't feel like going because Mm -hmm. I had the dedication to go, even though I didn't feel like it. Yeah. How, how, um, what's your number one driver as a pro bodybuilder? The number one reason that you, you know, to honestly, just to push myself to be the best version of myself, like push myself beyond what my current limits are. I just like Mm -hmm. to see myself. I mean, obviously I want to win when I get on stage, but it's more about just making myself progress and be better every time. I love that answer because I feel like that's, and I know you, since you deal with clients, you have the same situation where the first thing they want to know is if they have what it takes to be great. um, Can they win the Olympia? Can they do this, do that? And I find with guys regard, like doesn't matter what level they're at when their focus is improvement. It's not until you're kind of done. Like, I mean, I literally had this moment today. I was telling Nikki, like I look back, I'm like, you know, the odds of getting where I am, were ridiculous, but I never mm-hmm. thought about them. It was just every day doing what had to be done to be a little better. And then one day you wake up and go, oh, this is where it put me versus sitting out with a map on a plan that anyone would have called ridiculous anyways, you know, and, and chasing yeah. it down. I mean, I don't think had you told somebody when you were getting into classic, yeah, I'm probably going to move up to uh, the open and be a top threat in a couple of years. I don't right. think you'd be like, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> it never crossed my mind, honestly. I never even crossed my mind that I would be on the Olympia stage one day in any division. No kidding. Like, that was that was never a goal of mine. It was never a thought process. I just the thought was just continue getting better until I could, you know, impress people on stage and impress myself. And then I ended up winning a show. And I'm like, oh, cool. All right, let's do this. I ended up like, I think it was the first pro show I won, I won, I got third place in Tampa and the goal was to win that. So I could go to the Olympia that year in 2018. And it was right. the last chance to qualify. I think Keon got second and then uh Canadian guy up near you, Ron, I think, um, Andre Pierre. Oh yeah. Um, he won yeah. that show and, uh, he did not make weight by the way. I watched him weigh in. <laughs> he cheated. He cheated. He was like 10 pounds overweight. I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. He was on his tippy toes when they measured his height. That's Uh, amazing. (laughs) It was such BS. But anyways, um, a week later was the San Antonio Pro, and uh, it was the first qualifier for the next year. So I just went Mm -hmm. straight to San Antonio, and I won that show. But, like, before getting third place at that, you know, against Keon and Henry Pierre, it never really crossed my mind. I was like, oh, shoot, I might actually win a show here. I was like, I can right. come in a little sharper in a week, and I could, I could take this. So, And that's what they told me on stage when after I won the show. They're like, 
you know, it was your confidence with your posing that won the show for you. It was a one point decision. And I was like, well, wow. you know, I think the show before that is what built that confidence. Hmm. For sure. Right. Your losses, that, your, your losses become your wins. Yeah. Before that, I never really, never really crossed my mind that I was going to go to the Olympia and, you know, or ever move up to a bigger division. I, I actually, my first NPC show was 2015 and that was the year before classic came out. And right. so I was doing like light, light heavyweight bodybuilding at like 180 pounds. I don't know why I didn't just drop down a weight class, but <laughs> uh, like I didn't know any better. I was coaching myself. I coached myself all the way up to my first Arnold Classic with Aceto. That no was kidding. the first time I ever had a coach. So uh, I was just kind of, I was like, if I can't win the overall, what's the point? I might as well come in at whatever weight class I will come in at. Right. So I love that. That's a like, great attitude at those <laughs> level shows because I've seen guys push their way down mm-hmm. and not be their their lighter version couldn't have beaten their heavier version one-on-one so you've yeah, actually right. hurt right. your chances of if you're there to win the whole show you've hurt yourself yeah so i mean i i came in now i won that i won the overall at that first NPC show and then uh i went straight to the universe thinking oh i got this <laughs> yeah, and that was a, a rude awakening real fast. I think I got ninth place there. I came in like 183 pounds or something in the light heavyweights at the universe and just got destroyed. But that one I could have probably dropped down weight class. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's the, uh, the magic there, though, is I think a lot of guys even watching don't realize the jumps, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, from even even a smaller local like a local show to a bigger regional show hmm. you know you'll, yeah. you'll see guys just jump into you know having no clue and i'm sure you've had these experiences where you're backstage at a at a pro qualifier and you see the guys with their eyes really big they realize they made a really bad decision ro- rolling in on this show you know but i think it can turn into a victory for you as well i mean you went there and got ninth and it wasn't like a wake up call of i should stop it was, I can improve. It was also a couple months after that, they announced the classic physique division. And I was like, ah. oh, well, I was like, I could do that. I don't have to like push size. I can kind of mm. just stay more athletic and, and healthy and stuff like that. And then when I did the classic division, you know, once I did turn pro and then like the doctor put me on TRT, because I had been such so low for so long, I started TRT. I just started growing again, and I like I now I can't make weight. I right. So, like I was just watching actually this morning uh, the episode with um, y'all and the the other podcast you do. Uh, oh, drugs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Dusty and was just on that. Yeah. Where, and Dusty, you were talking about like, or I, I don't remember. It was all of you were talking about how low of dose you actually need to make improvements. I think Scott, you were actually saying it. Um, and, uh, I was like, when I went on TRT, like that's all I needed for the longest, the whole time I was in classic, yeah. you know, I didn't need to be going crazy and do like a full on cycle at right away. I like, started growing right off of that, which is nuts because I'm thinking back, like even when you were competing at light heavy, I mean, there are guys that are using more gear at that show to be in light heavyweight than you have used at like Olympia level. 
you know, or, or like yeah. what you're using now, which I know I mean, you, you guys talk about it all the time, but it, some of the I, clients I come to me, the cycles yeah. that they're running before they come to me. And I'm just like, Oh my God. And I wish <laughs> yeah, people you, could get it. it they, you yeah. know, and Dusty, you had said a good thing. You were like, you know, you're like somebody else like Jordan will go out and he'll be honest and say what he's using, which is really high doses at times. But then that makes people think that people who are saying they use low doses must be lying. And even that show, Dusty, that we just put out the that episode of drugs and stuff, you talked about your yeah. dosing and people. There's a guy on there. He's like, I wish these guys would tell us what it really took to grow. It's like, this is it. So the question to me, then, it, the hard truth is it comes down to like, maybe I'm not cut out for the Olympia stage. I can't do what Jason's done. I could try like heck to keep up with him. But if I have to do that at the light heavy to, to keep up with him in light heavyweights yes. at the state show, how am I ever going to get to the Olympia with him? You know? Right. Yeah. It's That's just a reality. Really tough com- That's a really tough conversation to have with a lot of people because they're so invested yeah. in being a great bodybuilder. And you just think, man, like what you're doing to be, you know, a decent light heavyweight at the, you know, regional level is not sustainable. Like you're not going to be able to do these crazy stacks and just get better and better and better all the way to your, your pro card and all that stuff. Like what's going to be going on by the time you get to the pro level? I mean, I mean, we've all seen it, right? I mean, seen some crazy shit and and yeah, you know, that was goes back to my point where I, I say like it's important for people to understand what they're going up against. They're going yeah. up against guys that turn pro naturally, guys that are yep. doing their first Olympia on 200 MIGs a test, like just bizarro alternate reality. Well, that's the, you know, the, the ugly truth, facts. right? Like, do you guys remember when, can't. um, do you remember when uh, Kai Green won the best poser award? at that Keystone Classic, and interviewing him, Sean Ray goes, I would reinvest this money into bodybuilding. Hmm. And obviously he meant, you should do your first cycle. Yeah. And then you fast forward like six months, and Kai shows up at a show 40 pounds heavier. There you yeah. go. And it's yeah, like, people forget that. He was that. probably natural. What happened. He was probably natural when he did. I mean, he didn't look. He, I, it was totally believable that he was natural at that show to me. And then he shows up 40 pounds heavier, and he's like, okay, now I'm here to win Arnold Classics. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And guys who are running two grams to try to win their class at the South Carolina Open are like, well, I just need more drugs to beat Kai. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's frightening, you know. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, all we can do is educate. All we can do is educate people. Yeah. Hopefully, listen. People, maybe they have to hear it multiple times. Maybe they won't get it, but we're putting the message out there. So, you know what helps is uh, is when you have a guy that you you argue with in your head. And I, I've told you about this, Ron, before, but I had Jay come out to, to my stores one time and uh, he was at the store and he's like, yeah, I've been clean for like months. And he was like 285. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you are so full of shit. And he goes, yeah, no, I'm starting my Olympia prep actually tomorrow when I go home. It was a Sunday. And I was like, okay. And he left, nice guy, whatever. Um, and then I saw him three weeks later at the USA's he was so massive. I walked over and I go, what do you weigh today? He goes, 315. <laughs> he went from 285 to 315 in three weeks. So and I was like, I, he was off. That makes <laughs> sense now. Yeah. I completely believe that because I've experienced that. Hmm. I've mm-hmm. done that. Like, 
oh, I've been off everything totally for like, you know, 14 weeks and 25 pounds in like three weeks, 25, close to 30, just cell volume, just, yeah, you yeah. know, the creatine went all the right places. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, plus, plus you jack your food. So there's five more pounds of like intestinal weight just on you at all times. You're just, oh, holy fuck. you know, that's what I'm excited for. Cause I'm, I came off everything after the Orlando. So I'm like kind of doing the whole, the whole baby making protocol right now. Oh, no kidding. Ah, so, nice. Trying to get yeah. one past the goalie, as we say in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's ready and you know i'm 36 yeah. it's time so and then when she she goes off the pill it's called pulling the goalie yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so i'm ready like i mean i'm already up i'm too i was 240 this morning and i'm still striated quads and my abs are still there everything so i'm holding a little bit of back fat already but uh yeah. definitely holding some water but you know everything's still there at 240 and being off everything like if we can kind of slow it down now maintain this for a little while not get too out of shape yeah and right. then uh and then uh whenever we can start blasting again have have a good response. well just make sure that you keep track of how long it takes so you can let the kid know when they're old enough how long daddy stayed clean for that? Yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I did for you? You ruined <laughs> so many gains. <laughs> Summer in Daytona Beach. And I stayed off the gear. That's prime time to use some trend, too. Summer in Daytona Beach. Just imagine. Yeah. The safety of your morning walks is actually less now. You're yeah. all that. Yeah. Did, did you guys see that Chris Bumstead went on the Chris Willex podcast? I don't know if you guys yeah. are familiar with Chris. I Willex heard about podcast. it, but I didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah, so I'm a big fan of Chris Willex. He's a great, great guy. I watch his show a lot. But I uh, he had C-Bum on, and there's a clip that, that you know, a clip that they're putting out. Um, you know, everyone does the promotional reels for their podcast, right? And that's one of Bumstead talking about trend. He asked him about trend. He said, no what's kidding. the most... Yeah, he goes, what are, what's the most toxic drug in bodybuilding? Is there anything that you won't take? And Chris said, Trend. Huh. He said, I used it in the past. I won't, I won't use it anymore. People don't, people don't quite, you know, get what they're getting into. A lot of guys abuse it. What, what's your, what are your thoughts on like that level of, we've talked about it before, the trend in mainstream culture, but now you got Bumstead going on the Will X podcast. It gets like <laughs> millions of views of like regular people, right? Yeah. And uh and he's talking about that sort of stuff. So like I don't know, that's 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 fascinating to us that you know the mainstream is having these discussions. Yeah. I think it's getting more and more mainstream, more and more popular just around the the normal people talking about this stuff. You get the random kid that walks up to you in the gym and asks about it now, I'm like, dude, I don't know you and that's the first thing you ask me about. Right. Like like I I would never imagine walking up to some bodybuilder or even some big guy that I don't know if he competes or not and just ask him about drugs. Like it's crazy to me, but yeah. I think it's getting more and more popular and it's because of those podcasts and people going out there and everybody watching them and stuff like that. And just hearing people talk about it. So, I mean, at what, least what it sounds like he said something responsible about it. Maybe at least. Yeah. I'm wondering what percentage of people are going to just say eyes lying. Yeah, yeah you know, probably. Yeah, he's on a you gram. don't know Chris then. <laughs> yeah. I just, I think that it's definitely, I definitely think trends overused in the mainstream for sure. 
I mean, you, you see guys at LA fitness or, you know, whatever good life y'all have up there or whatever. And like, they don't look like anything, but they're on freaking more than the bodybuilders are just yeah. so they can look halfway decent at the beach or at the pool party. And I'm like, they're not eating right. They're using it to cover up all the junk that they're eating and all the, the fact that they don't actually train hard. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sure. kind of funny. It's like, uh, in a way, there's a certain group of lifter that has found a, a way to actually turn PEDs into like recreational drugs. Yeah, really. Yeah, because they're they're all designed around how they look while they're having fun, hmm. right? <laughs> so, you know, like the guys that do cycles so they can go to raves, and the guys that stay in shape for the boat parties, and the guys that do. <laughs> in a way, in a way, they're turning the gear into like yeah. a recreational assister. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's like the crossover we were all waiting for. (laughs) I could have seen I could have seen myself doing that back in my party days if I had done been on stuff back then because I was the guy that would go and to to work out just so I looked good at the club that night. You know, you were that guy back in the day, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was I was that douchebag. That's funny. (laughs) Oh man. So what's uh, what's you, you're gonna what's your plan for the rest of the year? Are we gonna see you? We're gonna see you in obviously at the Olympia. Yeah, it's in it's in Orlando, so it's yeah. an hour drive away. I gotta go, but uh, I'm just time to grow, man. It's time to get trying to get big. So you're gonna be walking gonna, around the expo at 250 or what? At least, probably. Yeah. Okay. At least. Beautiful. I, I mean, I'm already 240, so like like I said, I have. I have a crazy appetite and it's hard for me to control it. Like I'm not going to, if AJ, if you watch this, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be honest. Like I've been eating every meal he tells me to eat, but then it might be like, I ate your meal and I added a cookie. I'm sorry. So you're going to be uh, 270. I, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate you gave us over an hour. I didn't mean to go long on you. Oh, and, cool. uh, uh, you know, like, you know, we do like to actually talk about bodybuilding once in a while, you know, we <laughs> joke about then. it and, and we thought you'd be great to have on because, you know, everyone wants to get bigger. Everyone that watches this show is trying to put on size and you've, you've done a whole bunch of that, you know, that I just love the, the transition from division to division and, um, you know, thanks for your input and your wisdom and, and your experiences on this. And I'm really glad that people heard your story because it's i think it's important for people to know what they're up against there's yeah. guys well, like really, you lurking there's guys I like really you lurking you at the on. regional level and no one knows it yeah no one knows uh, it i appreciate right you now. having me on and i, I let me tell my story and everything yeah i mean you know i watch i watch all the episodes so you know flip flop nice. cardio yeah i might skip for sharing one. But <laughs> thank, thank you for sharing the show, too. We much appreciate that. And, for sure. Yeah, you know, sure. Helps, that's how we get other people to find out about it. What's hey, what, what's up with your uh, your YouTube channel? What do you do over there? That's what I was going to say. I was like, man, I know how much work it takes to do stuff like this. Put doing the stuff on my own YouTube channel. Like it's I got my other laptop right here, like uploading a video right now. Do you? And yeah, I'm like, it's not it's not easy. It takes a lot of time and effort. So yeah, I'm happy to support all the, you know, people out there trying to put out content. Yeah. But well, yeah, we'll- my, my YouTube channel is just my name, Jason Lowe. It might be Jason Lowe 87. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I put out a lot of 
like full day of eating videos. That's what most people like. Yeah. But uh, I do a lot of training videos as well. A lot of, uh, you know, nutrition and training and stuff for the most part, day in the life, full day of eating. But most people just like to see me eat. <laughs> that's the that's the one that gets all the views. I'll, I'll put a training video coming up. up. Yeah, I'm like, oh, all right, I did. I got six plate deadlifts for you know ten reps, and I explained every exercise perfectly and how you should do this. Nobody watches it. Yeah, I ate, I, I ate ten muffins. All the views. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, I still remember. The good old days of the Mitsuro Okabe video. Oh yeah, DVD. Days. No editing. <laughs> and I, yeah, no editing. Just fly on the wall. And I still remember that one scene where Jay's sitting there eating a bowl of oatmeal for like what seems Yo. like twenty minutes. But hours. Watch him eat the yeah, entire bowl. Eating, and I remember like watching Jay's DVD through. You know, I'm watching it through the first time. So I'm sitting there with a bowl of food, yeah. watching Jay's video. I remember my girlfriend comes downstairs and she's kind of mulling around in the kitchen and doing her thing and peeking at the TV and, you know, doing her thing. And she finally comes over. She's like, so you're sitting here eating, watching him eat. That's amazing. And that that sums time, up. time, like, that it was sums like 2006. Yeah. Yeah. That sums up 2006 perfectly. You know, so in bodybuilding. perfectly. And she's like, like, and it was like, like 10 minutes of him talking like i got some egg whites here yeah and uh you know there's a little bit of cinnamon in my oatmeal you know like that sort of stuff yeah and 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 at the time it seemed so absurd i just oh, yeah. laugh at myself i'm like she's so right this this is ridiculous yeah. and now it's millions of it. your it's like millions of people's views that's their whole channel yeah. people watching the meat oh yeah it's amazing. Especially these people that are doing like the giant cheat meals and stuff. Like, I'll get stuck on that when I'm deep in prep and I'll start watching these videos where people are like going out and doing all these cheat meal challenges and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and oh, they, they get so many views. They're getting millions of views. They're making so much money on their stuff just for going out and getting like eating junk, like way too, like some food challenge at a restaurant or something. Yeah. I've, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard people call it pig out porn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I love it. What it's somebody about right. else feel like garbage? Yeah, so, that's what people okay. keep requesting me to do one of those twenty thousand calorie challenges, and I'm like, man, I I did it once uh, several years ago, and I got to like eighteen thousand four hundred calories, and yeah. I just felt like crap. I felt I couldn't I couldn't lay on my stomach. I was like, felt horrible. Yeah. Like, sleep apnea started like that just because of how bloated and stuffed I was. I was like, I was like, I don't know if I want to do that again. Yeah. I'm no, out. no, no. Okay. Well, thanks Jason. We appreciate it. Keep the, yeah. uh, the flip flop cardio going and, uh, sure. and, and keep watching the show. And then I look forward to running into you again, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. Happy to be on. It's good talking you to you. Bet. From the beautiful Likewise. paradise of Daytona beach. Where there are no crack addicts sleeping in no. tents on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jason. Right. We'll talk to you again Have a soon. good one. Thanks, brother. It's good to Peace. meet you. Yeah, you too. Like, share, subscribe, comment, and... Ring the bell. There we go. You got to bookend the episode with the I like, do. share thing. I feel good. We got to do that. Okay. Thanks to everybody. Remember the Think Big Patreon. Keep a producer homed. And we appreciate you guys. Thanks again to Jason Lowe for coming on the show. And remember, it's just bodybuilding.